Chapter Twenty Seven of the Frozen Pirate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Dirksen. The Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell. Chapter Twenty Seven. I encounter a whaler. I had been six days and nights at sea, and the morning of the seventh day had come. With the exception of one day of strong southwesterly winds, which ran me something to the northwards, the weather had been fine, bitterly cold indeed, but bright and clear. In this time I had run a distance of about six hundred and fifty miles to the east, and with no other cloths upon the schooner than her spritsail i confess as the hours passed away and nothing hove into view i grew dispirited and restless but on the other hand i was comforted by the bright weather and the favourable winds and particularly by the vessels steering herself which enabled me to get rest to keep myself warm with the fire and dress my food yet ever pushing onwards however slowly into the navigated regions of this sea on the morning of the seventh day i came on deck having slept since four o'clock the wind was icy keen pretty brisk about west by south the movement in the sea was from the south and rolled very grandly there was a fog that way too that hid the horizon bringing the ocean line to within a league of the schooner but the other quarters swept in a dark clear blue line against the sky and there was such a clarity of atmosphere as made the distances appear infinite i went below and lighted the fire and got my breakfast all very leisurely and when i was done i sat down and smoked a pipe it was so keen on deck i had no mind to leave the fire and as all was well i lounged through the best part of two hours in the cook-house when thinking it was now time to take another survey of the scene I went on deck on looking over the larboard bulwark rail the first thing i saw was a ship about two miles off she was on the larboard tack under courses topsails and main top gallant sail heading as if to cross my bows the sunshine made her canvas look as white as snow against the skirts of the body of vapour that had trailed a little to leeward of her and her black hull flashed as though she discharged a broadside every time she rose wet to the northern glory out of the hollow of the swell with a curl of silver at her cutwater my heart came into my throat i seemed not to breathe not to have saved my life could i have uttered a cry so amazed and transported was i by this unexpected apparition i stared like one in a dream and my head felt as if all the blood in my body had surged into it but then all on a sudden there happened a revulsion of feeling suppose she should prove a privateer a french war-vessel of a nation hostile to my own thought so wrought in me that i trembled like an idiot in fright the telescope was too weak to resolve her i could do better with my eyes and i stood at the bulwarks gazing and gazing as if she were the spectre ship of the scandinavian legend 
There were flags below, and I could have hoisted a signal of distress, but to what purpose? If the appearance of the schooner did not sufficiently illustrate her condition, there was certainly no virtue in the language and declarations of bunting to exceed her own mute assurance. I watched her with a passion of anxiety, never doubting her intention to speak to me, at all events to draw close and look at me, wholly concerning myself with her character. The swell made us both dance, and the blue brows of the rollers would often hide her to the height of her rails, but we were closing each other middling fast, she travelling at seven and I at four miles in the hour, and presently I could see that she carried a number of boats. A whaler, thought I, and after a little I was sure of it by perceiving the rings over her top-gallant rigging for the lookout to stand in. On being convinced of this, I ran below for a shawl that was in my cabin, and, jumping on to the bulwarks, stood flourishing it for some minutes to let them know that there was a man aboard. She luffed to deaden her way, that I might swim close, and as we approached each other I observed a crowd of heads forward looking at me, and several men aft, all staring intently. A man scrambled on to the rail, and with an arm clasping a backstay hailed me. "'Schooner ahoy!' he bawled with a strong nasal twang in his cry. "'What ship's that?' "'The Boca del Dragon,' I shouted back. "'Where are you from, and where are you bound to?' "'I have been locked up in the ice,' I cried, "'and am in want of help. What ship are you?' "'The Susan Tucker Whaler of New Bedford, twenty-seven months out,' he returned. "'Where in creation got you that hooker?' "'I'm the only man on board,' I cried, "'and have no boat. "'Send to me in the name of God and let the master come.' "'He waved his hand, bawling. "'Put your helm down. "'You're forging ahead.' "'And so saying, dismounted. "'I immediately cast the tiller adrift, "'put it hard over, and secured it, "'then jumped on to the bulwarks again to watch them. "'She was Yankee beyond doubt.' I had rather met my own countrymen, but next to a British I would have chosen an American ship to meet. Somehow, despite the Frenchmen, I felt to have been alone throughout my adventure, and so sore was the effect of that solitude upon my spirits that it seemed twenty years since I had seen a ship, and since I had held commune with my own species. I was terribly agitated and shook in every limb. Life must have been precious always, but never before had it appeared so precious as now, whilst I gazed at that homely ship, with her main topsail to the mast, swinging stately upon the swell, the faces of the seamen plain, the smoke of her galley-fire breaking from the chimney, the sounds of creaking blocks and groaning perils stealing from her. Such a fountain of joy broke out of my heart that my whole being was flooded with it, and had that mood lasted, I believe I should have exposed the treasure in the run, and invited all the men of the whaler to share in it with me. They stared fixedly, little wonder that they should be astounded by such an appearance as my ship exhibited. One of the several boats which hung at her davits was lowered, the oars flashed, and presently she was near enough to be hit with a biscuit. 
but when there the master as i supposed him to be who was steering sung out vast rowing the boat came to a stand and her people to a man stared at me with their chins upon their shoulders as if i had been a fiend it was plain as a pike-staff that they were frightened and that the superstitions of the forecastle were hard at work in them whilst they viewed me they looked a queer company two were negroes the other pale-faced bearded men wrapped up in clothes to the aspect of scarecrows the fellow who steered had a face as long as a wet hammock and it was lengthened yet to the eye by a beard like a goat's hanging at the extremity of his chin he stood up a tall lank figure with legs like a pair of compasses and hailed me afresh but the high swell regular as the swing of a pendulum interposed its brow between him and me so that at one moment he was a sharply lined figure against the sky of the horizon and the next he and his boat and crew were sheer gone out of sight and this made an exchange of sentences slow and troublesome say master he sung out what do you say the schooner's name is the Boca del dragon i replied and who are you matey an english sailor who's been cast away on an island of ice i answered talking very shortly that the replies might follow the questions before the swell sank him ay ay says he that's very well but when was you cast away bully i gave him the date that's not a month ago cried he it's long enough whatever the time said i here the crew fell a-talking turning from one another to stare at me and the negro's eyes showed as big as saucers in the dismay of their regard see here master sung out the long man if you ain't been cast away more than a month how come you clothed as men went dressed a century sin eh the reason of their misgivings flashed upon me it was not so much the schooner as my appearance the truth was my clothes having been wetted i had ever since been wearing such thick garments as i met with in the cabin keeping my legs warm with jack-boots and i had become so used to the garb that i forgot i had it on you will judge then that i must have presented a figure very nicely calculated to excite the wonder and apprehension of a body of men whose superstitious instincts were already sufficiently fluttered by the appearance of the schooner when i tell you that in addition to the jack-boots and a great fur cap my costume was formed of a red plush waistcoat laced with silver purple breeches a coat of frieze with yellow braiding and huge cuffs and the cloak that i had taken from the body of mendoza captain cried i if so be you are the captain in the name of god and humanity come aboard sir here i had to wait till he reappeared my story is an extraordinary one you have nothing to fear i am a plain english sailor my ship was the laughing mary bound in ballast from Calleo to the cape here i had to wait again pray sir come on board there is nothing to fear i am alone in grievous distress and in want of help pray come sir there was so little of the goblin in this appeal that it resolved him 
the crew hung in the wind but he addressed them peremptorily i heard him damn them for a set of curs and tell them that if they put him aboard they might lie off till he was ready to return where they would be safe as the devil could not swim and presently they buckled to their oars again and the boat came alongside the long man watching his chance sprang with great agility into the chains and stepped on deck i ran up to him and seized his hand with both of mine sir cried i speaking with difficulty so great was the tumult of my spirits and the joy and gratitude that swelled my heart i thank you a thousand times over for this visit i am in the most helpless condition that can be imagined i am not astonished that you should have been startled by the appearance of this vessel and by the figure i make in these clothes but sir you will be much more amazed when you have heard my story he eyed me steadfastly examining me very earnestly from my boots to my cap and then cast a glance around him before he made any reply to my address he had the gauntness sallowness of complexion and deliberateness of manner peculiar to the people of new england and though he was a very ugly lank uncouth man i protest he was as fair in my sight as if he had been the ambrosial angel described by milton well cook my gizzard he exclaimed presently through his nose and after another good look at me and along the decks and up aloft if this ain't miraculous too darned if we didn't take this hooker for some ghost ship riz up from the sea in charge of a merman rigged out to fit her age you're all alone are ye all alone said i broach me every barrel aboard if ever i see sich a vessel he cried his astonishment rising with the searching glances he directed aloft and alow how old be she she was cast away in seventeen hundred and fifty-three said i well i'm derned she's froze hard siree i reckon she'll want a hot sun to thaw her split me mister if she ain't worth sailin home as a show-box i interrupted his ejaculations by asking him to step below where we could sit warm whilst i related my story and i asked him to invite his boat's crew into the cabin that i might regale them with a bowl of such liquor as i ventured to say had never passed their lips in this life on this he went to the side and hailing the men ordered all but one to step aboard and drink to the health of the lonesome sailor they had come across the word drink acted like a charm they instantly hauled upon the painter and brought the boat to the chains and tumbled over the side one of the negroes remaining in her they fell together in a body and surveyed me and the ship with a hundred marks of astonishment my lads said i my rig is a strange one but i'll explain all shortly the clothes i was cast away in are below and i'll show you them i'm no spectre but as real as you though i have gone through so much that if i am not a ghost it is no fault of old ocean but owing to the mercy of god my name is paul rodney and i'm a native of london you sir says i addressing the long man are i presume the master of the susan tucker at your service 
Josiah Tucker is my name, and that ship is my wife Susan. Captain Tucker, and you, men, will you please step below, says I. The weather promises to be fair, I have much to tell, and there is in that cabin which will give you patience to hear me. I descended the companion stairs, and they all followed, making the interior that had been so long silent ring with their heavy tread, whilst from time to time a gruff, hoarse whisper broke from one of them. But superstition lay strong upon their imagination, and they were awed and quiet. The daylight came down the hatch, but for all that the cabin was darksome. I waited till the last man had entered, and then said, "'Before we settle down to a bowl and a yarn, Captain, I should like to show you this ship.' it'll save me a deal of description and explanation if you will be pleased to take a view lead on mister said he but we shall have to snap our eyelids and raise fire in that way for durned if i for one can see in the dark i fetched three or four lanthorns and lighting the candles distributed them among the men and then in a procession headed by the captain and me we made the rounds I had half cleared the arms-room, but there were weapons enough left, and they stared at them like yokels in a booth. I showed them the cook-house and the forecastle, where the deck was littered with clothes and chests and hammocks, and, after carrying them aft to the cabins, gave them the sight of the hold. I never saw men more amazed. They filled the vessel with their exclamations. They never offered to touch anything, being too much awed, but stepped about with their heads uncovered, as quietly as they could, as though they had been in a crypt, and the influence of strange and terrifying memorials was upon them. I also showed them the clothes I had come away from the Laughing Mary in, and that I might submit such an aspect to them as should touch their sympathies, I whipped off the cloak and put on my own pilot-cloth coat. There being nothing more to see, I led them to the cook-room, and there brewed a great hearty bowl of brandy-punch, which I seasoned with lemon, sugar, and spices, into as relishable a draught as my knowledge in that way could compass, and, giving every man a pannikin, bade him dip and welcome, myself first drinking to them with a brief speech, yet not so brief, but that I broke down towards the close of it, and ended with a dry sob or two. They would have been unworthy their country and their calling not to have been touched by my natural manifestation of emotion. Besides, the brandy was an incomparably fine spirit, and the very perfume of the steaming bowl was sufficient to stimulate the kindly qualities of sailors who had been locked up for months in a greasy old ship with no diviner smells about than the stink of the tri-works. The captain, standing up, called upon his men to drink to me, promising me that he was very glad to have fallen in with my schooner, and then, looking at the others, made a sign, whereupon they all fixed their eyes upon me and drank as one man, every one emptying his pot and inverting it as proof, and fetching a rousing sigh of satisfaction." This ceremony ended, I began my story, beginning with the loss of the Laughing Mary, and proceeding step by step, 
i told them of the dead body of mendoza but said nothing about the frenchman and the mate and the portugal boatswain lest i should make them afraid of the vessel and so get no help to work her as to acquainting them with my recovery of tassard after his stupor of eight and forty years i should have been mute on that head in any case for so extraordinary a relation could from such people have earned me but one of two opinions either that i was mad and believed in an impossibility or that i was a rogue and dealt in magic and to be vehemently shunned yet there were wonders enough in my story without this and i recited it to a running commentary of all sorts of queer yankee exclamations there were seven seamen and the captain and i made nine and we pretty near filled the cook-room twas a scene to be handled by a dutch brush we were a shaggy company in several kinds of rude attire and the crimson light of the furnace whose playing flames darted shadows through the steady light of the lanthorns caused us to appear very wild the mariners eyes gleamed redly as their glances roved round the place and had you come suddenly among us i believe you would have thought this band of pale fire-touched hairy men with the one ebon visage among them rendered the vessel a vast deal more ghostly than ever she could have shown when sailing along with me alone on board they were a good deal puzzled when i told them of the mines i had made and sprung in the ice they reckoned the notion fine but could not conceive how i had single-handed broken out the powder-barrels got them over the side and fixed them why said i was slow heavy work of course but a man who labours for his life will do marvellous things it is like the jump of a hunted stag true for you said the captain a swim of two miles and spends me in pleasurin but i've swum eight miles to save my life and stranded fresh as a new-hooked cod what's your intention sir to sail the schooner home said i if i can get help she's too good to abandon she'll fetch money in england ay as a show yes and as a coalman rigger modernly carry your forecastle deck into the head captain and she's a brave ship fit for a baltimore eye he stroked down the hair upon his chin dip captain dip my lads there's enough of this to drown ye in the hold said i pointing to the bowl come this is a happy meeting for me let it be a merry one captain i drink to the susan tucker sir your servant here's to your sweetheart be she wife or maid bill jump on deck and take a look around see to the boat one of the men went out captain said i you were a full ship that's so bound home right away you should have men enough and to spare lend me three of your hands and help me to the thames and i'll repay you thus there should be near a hundred tons of wine and brandy of exquisite vintage and choice with age beyond language in the hold take what you will of that freight there'll be ten times the value of your lay in your pickings modest as you may prove help yourself to the clothes in the cabin and forecastle they will turn to account for the men you will spare and who will volunteer to help me 
this will be my undertaking the ship and all that is in her to be sold on her arrival and the proceeds equally divided shall we call it a thousand pounds piece captain she's well found her inventory would make a list as long as you i'd name a bigger sum but here she is you shall overhaul her hold and judge for yourself i watched him anxiously no man spoke but every eye was upon him he sat pulling down the hair on his chin then jumping up on a sudden and extending his hand he cried shake it's a bargain if the metal jine i'll jine exclaimed a man there was a pause and me said the negro i was glad of this and looked earnestly at the others is she tight said a man as a bottle said i they fell silent again joe wilkinson and washington cromwell them two giants said the captain bullies he wants a third don't speak altogether the man named bill at this moment returned to the cook-room and reported all well above my offer was repeated to him but he shook his head this is the horn mates said he there's a deal of water tween this and the thames how does she sail no man knows i want none but willing men said i americans make as good sailors as the english what an english seaman can face any of you can there is another negro in the boat will you let him step aboard captain he may join a man was sent to take his place presently he arrived and i gave him a cup of punch splain the business to him sir said the captain filling his pannikin his name's billy pitt i did so and when i told him that washington cromwell had offered he instantly said all right massa i'd be ob ya this was exactly what i wanted and had there been a third negro i'd have preferred him to the white man but how are you going to navigate this craft home with three men said the man bill to me there'll be four we shall do the fewer the more dollars hey wilkinson he grinned and cromwell broke into a ventral laugh they seemed very well satisfied and so was i End of chapter twenty seven recording by Barbara Dirksen